0: That, I think that's one of the things about life is is chasing waves. We, we all chase something. It's your passion, right? Chasing waves keeps us vibrant and young. And, and I think it's once you stop chasing or stop trying is when you start to go the other direction big time.
1: Welcome to the Surf Strong Show, conversations for a healthy community. I'm your host, Greg Finch. I'd like to remind you to like, Comment, subscribe to this and all of our episodes of the Surf Strong Show wherever you get your podcasts. For all show notes and links that we talk about in the episodes, videos of the podcast, you can go to surfstrongfit.com/podcast for this and all the past episodes. Thanks for joining us; it really means a lot. Today we welcome Mike Latronic to the Surf Strong Show, former professional surfer and team coach for Hurley and veteran big wave rider. Since 2002, he has published Free Surf Magazine and produces Board Stories TV out of his home base on the North Shore of Oahu. Let's get right into our episode with Mike Latronic. Hey Mike, thanks for taking the time to be on the Surfstrom Show, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, great. And, um, regarding surfing, it's uh, happy to uh, get in a conversation.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for doing that. So um, I ask a lot of my uh, guests when they come on. The most important question, of course, is did you get to surf today? I did not get to
0: surf today. And um, as you know, uh, surfing is seasonal on the North Shore. Right around this time of year, we start to see a fluctuation. So I'm on the North Shore of Oahu. Big, crazy, scary surf most of the year. Delightful for some, uh, absolute horror for others. But right now, it's almost as small as it gets. The waves are probably a half a feet. You'll be lucky if it's low tide enough. You might be able to get a breaking wave. I'm sure there's a few little, little, little things on a longboard here and there, but it's pretty small. So, I opted to make the Monday, um, you know, banger at work
1: here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna
0: definitely get in the ocean later, but I don't think it's gonna be with a surfboard.
1: Yeah, that's definitely. Um, central coast of California, same, of course, same season and everything. And it's one of those things we get a lot of the, the Northwest winds start coming to springtime. So it's that trade off. It's exactly what you said is like, I need, I'll go and paddle. I'm near Moro Bay. So I'll go and paddle on the bay just to get the paddle in and the contact with the ocean. But yeah, it is, it, you shift, you start like, okay, now I'll start taking on some of these projects. I'll knock some of these projects out and uh, prepare for b- being able to surf again more often when it comes back around. That seasonal. I've had a friend say to me, numerous friends say, oh, you should really take up kite surfing because then when the winds come, you can just go kite surfing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'll never get anything done. I, I won't keep exactly. my marriage together.
0: <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. You know, being an adult is quite a bit different from being a kid after school. You got homework and stuff, but it's like, we get so much good waves I, I mean i live in a wonderful place on the planet i, I wouldn't i've been around the world I, I really can't see myself living full-time anywhere but here and it's be, one of the you know clean water clean ocean relatively you know speaking at you know obviously there's there's elements in this world that we can't control but um and we get so much surf on a regular basis that when the surf's not good or great I ne- really need to focus on my responsibilities as an adult or my responsibilities to my body because surfing um, is something that is wonderful it's so uh therapeutic and and absolutely puts your body to the ringer but in that same respect it's it's kind of lopsided like if you're surfing a right hander all the time you're using certain muscles doing this thing and I, I, I try to do, you know, whether it's yoga or, or uh, light weights or something like that, or just going on a hike and using both sides of my body. Um, so I tried to really, I mean, the chase is always on that. I think that's one of the things about life is, is chasing waves. We, we all chase something. It's your passion, right? Chasing waves keeps us vibrant and young. And, and I think it's once you stop chasing or stop trying is when you start to go the other direction big time but anyway i i was going to say that my last surf was um the day before yesterday two hours literally four or five people out at my favorite spot N- nothing special like it was a little windy so it wasn't too crowded but it was like oh my god i got completely surfed out and then the next day I woke up and there was 20 long, it was glassier, but there's 20 long borders out. So I was like, i let the kids and the moms and the groms have it. And um, I went to town and hung out and, and we did some fun stuff. But anyway, um, yeah. So I definitely got a dose not so long ago. And then it was like, yeah, I'm going to get in the ocean, but I got to use this time where the surf's not great. Because, you know, as a surfer, it is, it is a, like, it's gravity when you know there's good waves. And, and a guy in my position, I run my own business. So technically I don't have a boss saying I need to be here at this time, this time, unless I have an appointment. And it's like, I have to self-discipline myself. And I really can't, I, I refuse to actually, when the waves are pumping, when it's, you know West Swell, six to 10 foot sunsets pumping pipes good whatever i'm like i either gotta surf or shoot and i know that eventually it's going to change whether it rolls for a week or two weeks eventually it's going to go north winds or whatever and i'm gonna have all this time and i need to focus that time on the obligations and the responsibilities
1: how how does that uh, affect for you like you just mentioned right there uh I need, (laughs) I either need to surf or shoot. How is that dilemma for you with what you do with free surf magazine and everything? Like how do you just delineate and decide between those two things? It's pumping. You want to go experience this first person, but I have this professional entity too, that it's pumping and I need to get some of these shots and, and produce this content. Is that a, is that a struggle for you?
0: Um, I wouldn't call it a struggle. Um, there's a mental battle going on sometimes, but number one, I have some good people um, that I work with, especially, you know, regarding photos. I work with uh, Brian Bielmans, our photo editor and Brent Bielmans, our staff photographer between those two guys. I can depend on a good day. They're killing it somewhere. So the content for the magazine is not an issue. So many talented subcontractors uh, photographers around the 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 ability to garner content is there um when it comes to um video it's a little different i do have a full-time uh, young gentleman a hawaiian kid named Alkai, and i rely on him a lot but when there's you know when there's good waves for me it's it's a reflection of talent and um assignments really like some winters I'll be working for either athletes or clients as well as my own media. I'm like, Oh, okay. We're working with the O'Neill team this winter and we're gathering photos and clients. So if it's a mediocre day and I have three of my athletes for my client um, scheduled at Rocky point, I'm going to go into it pretty happy because not only do I get to do a good service for my client, but, usually there's somebody else there you know i'm not just shooting the two or three guys and i, I mean and then that that is a a, a kind of a, a extrapolation of what the rate is you know some people uh, obviously on the high-end photography deal you you go to new york or or chicago anybody shooting these high-end fashion things are charging 10 dollars a day uh in surf photography we don't nearly get that much even the top paid guys would get you know, whether it's a thousand or two thousand or three thousand dollars a day. Um, you know, and, and some guys are super happy to work for three, four hundred dollars a day. Me, I'm getting too old for the couple hundred dollars a day thing. If clients want that kind of thing, then I'm like, yeah, let's let's do that on, on a on a kind of a window basis. In other words, if you want to me to be at a certain place at a certain time and only focus on a certain subject and use my 25 years of experience on that shoot then the price is going to be you know closer to thousand fifteen hundred dollars a day if if your budget is such that yeah we know we're going to get stuff and send them out to rocky point yeah if felipe toledo takes off and it's not one of my guys i'm still going to shoot felipe unless like I'll start to panic if I'm, if I'm at a photo shoot and half hour in, I didn't get anything of my guys yet. I'm like, okay, I missed one because I was on another one or whatever. I usually try to get something in the can. So I know my client's going to go, Ooh, that was good. And, and it like, like, yeah. And then I'll try to shoot a hundred percent of everything else I can, but I really love getting the shot in general. And I really don't like, you know, almost every photographer will feel this way. Missing the shot. So if I'm paid to miss other people for any reason, it better be for a good reason. At least intrinsically, I put in enough time to at least self-assign that. That's my own self-respect, you know. Yeah. Not, not that I turn down a few hundred dollars here and there. It's fine. Hey, it's good money. People, um, whatever they're offering, they need to be respected on that offer. You can decline or not, but. But when it comes to that or surfing, it's the time of year. If it's early October and the waves are absolutely insane and all the locals are out and the the the, the, the world stage is not here yet, I might just go be one of the locals that are out. And, hey, guys, Brian, I'm going to be surfing sunset. I think there's a couple hot locals out. You should come shoot or Alki come, you know. But when everybody's here now, you got your top West coasters, top East coasters, Australians, Brazilians, Japanese, whatever, everyone's here. Then I'm like, there's too many talented athletes around. I want to go document that. Yeah. I'll surf before dark later or I'll surf midday when the lighting's not as good or whatever. So I'm usually pretty um, – it's pretty loose but strategic at the same time. I, yeah. I try to maximize my day.
1: Talk a little bit about um, kind of what you're touching on there in, in the surf itself, but also just as the North Shore itself. I mean, this you know stretch of coastline is the destination in the world during that stretch. What is it like to have that influx of not just that level of talent, but that level of attention, that level of people? in what essentially is a small town like what is that like uh knowing it's coming on this calendar every year i'm sure there's some conflict of course it's the center of the world that we're in for surfing just talk a little bit about that what it's like to be part of that year after year
0: well it's a total evolution you know what it was 30 40 years ago is um you could frame it similarly similarly but it's different because um well let's just go back 30 40 years right and you know yeah you had an influx of people come to the north shore it might have been a few hundred maybe even a few thousand maybe maybe but the level of of um change to the north shore was um yeah there the surf breaks got a little more crowded but it, it, it didn't feel like it, it swelled so much back then. Like, you know, there's these smaller fluctuations. Um, I think, you know, there's um, not a ton of housing on the North shore, but there's definitely more homes, you know, maybe twice as many homes on the North shore now than there was 40 years ago. So there's more opportunity to stay out here and surf and, It does get crowded you know if you you, depending on what surf break you want to pick um you could ruin your day if you go out really expecting what you know something that's not a reality and and you got to have a go with the flow then again if you're going to go out to pipeline on a big day you're going to put the gladiator face on that's it if you're not a freaking gladiator maybe you shouldn't even paddle out if you're going out just to check out the shoulder and, and and get the vibe. That's fine, you know. But you are in the freaking gladiator pit. There will be arrows flying and body parts. You know, the, the, the there is like you. You might think you want to have a safe time on the shoulder, but then a north set comes, and next thing you know, some somebody's surfboard cuts loose from the outside reef and it's coming down. Anyway, all these things happen. So, um yeah, there's a big change, and and in the last few decades it has been almost one where i feel fortunate that i'm actually on the other side of the camera because um i would not like to be in the crowd that i'm shooting sometimes i know i can get waves i know i'm an older dude you know and and some of the guys would give me respect and and maybe i'll wait my turn and you know i'll get some waves but um The propensity to deal with whatever donkeys and, and, and people that don't know the correct etiquette or, or just, you know, like nowadays when I go in the water and it's crowded for surfing, I go with the attitude that I'm going to go get salt water on my body. If I do a turn, it's bonus. You know, if I get a wave to myself, it's great. If I get several, it was like unreal. I got lucky. Um, but I, I, I try to like, there's enough angst and negative energy in the world. I really try to check my energy when I'm out there because it's natural for humans to want to gather their acorns and, and experience their fun, but I don't want to do it at the expense of somebody else's good vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get a lot of waves when I go out, I know the breaks and, 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 and I have good boards and, But at the same time, we're all out there as a community and, you know, surfing's an individual sport, this and that, but it's still, it's like, it's. um... So to to answer your question, yes, there's a huge change. How do I feel about it? i got to roll with it. This is where I live. And if I want uncrowded surf, I wait for the right moments. Um, I I know when there's like, you you know, you, you, you can't, you can't show up at the concert 20 minutes before it starts and expect a good parking spot. You know what I mean? It's just not usually going to happen. Yeah. The parking angel, somebody had to leave or whatever, but uh, you know, you got lucky, but ultimately you just plan for it. And so that's why I'm glad that I'm on both sides because when it does get really crowded, a, I can shoot more clients, uh, you know, shoot more athletes and, and gather more exciting moments. Um, And and also you know gather those sound bites and interviews from all these amazing people that come to visit here. So I try to view it more as an opportunity than a bummer. Um, I won't say I'm never disappointed because some days I really want to surf and I really want my own wave, and I really get disappointed that you know there's a lot of people that show up on on these in these crazy waves that are less than a. Properly equipped to handle what they're paddling out into, and so I don't know. You just deal with a little bit of everything. But yeah. um,
1: I think I, what you said, what, what you what you touched on there, though, is, is so crucial. It's it's such the what I remind myself of too everywhere, which is getting in the ocean and that connection to that entity is the primary part. And waves are just the bonus. I say that to clients all the time. I just always remind myself of this. I had this experience. Oh, it's been maybe like 10 years ago now. And I I was just in my local breaks and stuff too. It was kind of crowded. It was a pretty pumping day. It was kind of crowded, but Central Coast, Morro Bay crowded is completely different than North Shore crowded, but still was kind of crowded. And I was finding myself having this conversation in my head about something that might happen and what my response would be. And I, I remember the day so vividly, because I stopped. And I just said, what are you doing? Like, you need to just be here right now and have this experience and push out this positive experience to others. And that's what you're going to get back. And it re- I touch on that point all the time now, because I'll be going in and I can feel myself starting to like, oh, get And this is like, just relax, just relax and be here. And the experience is so much better all the way around. And that's such a simple concept, but can be difficult to implement if you're bringing your own baggage into that area. And it's just, it's the whole point we're there, right? It's just to clean out the carburetor and just reset.
0: <laughs> it, it, it really brings up the whole meaning and purpose of life sometimes because, you know, um, I'm not a hugely religious person. I do believe in right and wrong and good and bad. I'm not going to name God for any specific group. I don't, you know, so many wars and so much controversy is already in that space. I refuse to participate in it, but um, I cheer for the good works that are done by any group that wants to better mankind. But when I think of us as individuals and I think of, you know, I'm, I'm coming into 60 years old. I just turned 59 and I'm still pretty spry. Um, I still ride a five, seven Linden. So, you know, uh, Glenn Pangs from town country, Lindens, whatever I can get my hands on. But, uh, I am, um, every like friends that are my age that either had to stop surfing because of injuries or, or just not using their bodies correctly. And they just can't do it anymore. Can't get to their feet. Um, or whatever. But I'm, I'm like, I, I think every day I can do it. And I realized at certain point in my late 40s, that, that sometimes like, if I really just did work, or, or you know, I'm a dad, I'm a dad, dad of three kids, so spend a lot of time with the kids, which is important. And, 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 and like, you know, whatever it is you're doing, and, and, and that, whether it's cooking, cleaning, watching a TV program, driving, yard work, whatever it is you're doing, um, it's not the same as the kind of activity you get when you invest in your body, which, you know, like going to a yoga class or doing a capoeira class or taking karate or, or going to jujitsu or going surfing. You're, in, you're like investing your time in your body. So I used to surf because I was absolutely incensed to go have fun. Like, oh my God, I want to ride more waves. I want to ride more waves well, when you get certain many decades down the road and you've done, you know, I I have this favorite, favorite maneuver at sunset point, it's coming out into the shoulder of the double up. And, and while it's doubling up it, 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 you know, hopefully it's going to double up hollow and and you kind of crack back into a figure eight cut back into the lip and and drop. And and then there's, there's the next one last section there. And that, like, I love that little section. I'm like trying to calculate, you know, I've lived near sunset beach for 45 years. and like, if I surfed it three times a day up until the age of thirty, and then maybe, you know, once or twice a day up until the age of forty-five, and then maybe once a day after that. On average, how many cutbacks have I done like that? And I'm like, I'm close to ten thousand cutbacks, and I'm like, why do I still just absolutely crave doing it? I'm lucky, um, but sometimes I'm like, you know, like I like that craving isn't more so than wanting to be lazy or or having to do a deadline you know there's three days left but i'll just get it done i'll stay i'll keep working till dark and then i won't surf i'll surf tomorrow you know i have sort of started to adopt the realization that i need to force myself or not force myself that's a bad word i need to schedule myself because your natural tendency, you know, everything goes in flux, and your natural tendency is to kind of flux later in life. But the more you give it flux, like reciprocally, you have to work harder to get back where you're at. If I if I took two weeks off of surfing and just enjoyed hagen and 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 salsa and chips every day all day long, it would take me that that two weeks. I'd probably gain weight. I'd, I'd lose core strength. I I my shoulders w- would react, everything would react. It would probably take me two months to just get back to where I was if I was diligent during those two months about getting back. So nowadays, I just try to get water time in like, oh, I'm going to go jump in the water. I'm like, I don't really feel like surfing. I, I hate to like that, that I-, I said it like, I don't really feel like, or I don't really feel like I should surf. Like I surfed yesterday hard. I had a great session. And my body's super sore and i don't feel like surfing but i'm like i'm gonna do it because i i want to establish that consistency with something i love even you know like practice makes perfect if you if you turn away from it yeah you can still surf three days from now but i like the consistency and the availability because i know that you know we're in hawaii you know we could have a two-week rainstorm come in you know, any couple of days, you know, it takes a few days to form and get here and, and it's brown water for a couple of days. And I'm really not surfing. I, I don't surf brown water anymore. Anyway, I'm totally rambling.
1: No, no, that's that, that, that what you just conveyed right there though is one of the most um, important things that I have noticed in like the clients I work with and just having conversations with people is I'm lucky enough to coach and train surfers. And so I don't have to motivate them or define for them why they're working to do something. It's to keep surfing in their life. But this slight disconnect is really common, which is when we're young, exactly like you were saying, you're surfing every day, probably all day long because your responsibilities are are more to yourself. You don't have a mortgage problem. You don't have responsibilities outside yourself as much. So you're surfing a lot. And then as those decades start to climb, you, you those responsibilities come up and the things that are taking you away from surfing become more common. And so you're surfing less and what's bridging between those sessions, you're not doing other movement outside of surfing. Surfing... Isn't everything we need to keep surfing, but it d- goes a long way to keep us there. And so I see this so common in clients that are like getting into their 30s, getting into their 40s. They're just surfing less, even if they're not perceiving it that way. And that gap between them, they're not bridging it. They're not doing movement outside of it. And so when they come back to it, they have this, sometimes they'll have this negative experience. So you get this negative reinforcement of like, I can't surf as well as I did before, or I have more pain. I'm not recovering as fast because we're not replacing surfing with the things we need to do to keep us ready to surf. So that point we made is it's so critical. It's like that movement. This is what I just, I give it. Everybody that I talk to is always, it's these three things. You need to move every day. You need to have focused breath every day, and you need to have mobility every day. So Do something in those categories. Surfing, if it, if it's there, great. If it's not, then replace it with these other things, and it'll keep you ready. So it's crucial.
0: I, I'm not even an everyday guy. I try to go four or five times a week, mm-hmm. something, and then mm-hmm. I double up. I don't. I don't typically surf two or three times a day anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I do when the waves are really good. I try to go twice a day, uh, and I'm free to do it. But I really, with the I, I, um, you know, I do light with uh, some good friends of mine twice a week. That that's that's probably one of the most disciplined schedules I keep. Is my light weights, you know, and they're not heavy. I'm not trying to be big and bulky or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I want to keep my bones strong and and my 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 lungs strong. And so yeah, we 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 do that. Um and then you know a yoga I try to fit in once or twice a week at least. I and even if I'm watching TV at night, I'm trying to stretch here and there, you know, in between getting up off the couch and going and get some Hangadas because I love my food too. (laughs) Yeah. But I was gonna say, you know, um I think you know, there's something to be said about verve or 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 you know, schutzbar, whatever you call Mm -hmm. it. And and it's like sex almost, like, like you don't use it, you lose it. And well, I don't want to say sex drive is like a surf drive, but when I, when I, when I think about surfing, sometimes I'm incensed. I really want to surf like, Oh my God, I love surfing. I want to try my new, but whatever the reason is, or I just want to get out there. I just know my body needs to be in that ocean. Um, and there's times where you don't have the same drive to go surfing as you did when you were a grommet, you know, Tom, I always love to use this quote, Tom Carroll said in the movie surfers way back when to get any good at this sport at all, you got to act like you're a four or five year old kid that just got a new bicycle and that's all you want to ride. And then you get good, and, you know, and, and to stay good and to be good. It, it's like, it's a combination of going when you know, you know, you should, going, even though you don't feel like it sometimes. And, and, you know, it's all that quality of life for me. Like, I enjoy being able to touch my toes. And, and, you know, I, I mean, I was, I, this is a really bad analogy, but for all the the older people that surf and, and get injured and stuff, you know, like, I had a back injury um, last year. And, and Oh, by the way, going through these injuries and healing again is the single most, uh, I think, inspiration behind taking care of your bodies because you you do see and feel that you can be better than you were and get back to it and even improve on it even after you've been downed, you know what I mean? And so it's not the end. It's just a rebuilding process usually. But I'm I remember, and this is probably maybe too much information, but- Like going to the bathroom and wiping your ass if you have a back injury. And I was thinking to myself, I'm going like, what do horribly overweight people, how do they deal with even getting to this shit? Literally. And if they're injured or they, you know, like in yoga, you know, you do these bird stretches and we do, and it's like you can't even reach behind your back. Like, oh my God. Like the simple qualities of life, like being able to look, bend down in your refrigerator and go get something in the bottom drawer, like the simplest things that get hard when you're injured, you realize real quick what's important in life. And, and by going surfing, yeah, I'm I'm not saying everybody, you know, (laughs) the whole thing about the, the toilet thing, but it, but it's real. It's like, that's a real everyday thing. And it's like, I want to stay healthy so I can enjoy the mobility of what God or the creator or nature has provided. Humans are amazing. I freaking think our human body and 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 what we do when you get a cut and it heals and, and you get a, you know, you bump your head, it, it, it you get a nosebleed and it stops. And, and like the mucus that gets rid of the, the, the infection, you know, it's like, oh my God, all these systems that are go together and it's so amazing. And why not like first things first, honor your body, respect yourself, and then you can honor the world and respect the world better because at least you have that foundation of, of um, yeah, there's some self-preservation, self, there's some selfishness. I want to have fun, but it's also, you um, being a better person, being a better person on the planet, in your own community, in your own house. Oh, we need to take out the trash. You know, you don't want to be the old dad guy. Kids, can you guys get that? I can't get off the couch. Now you're like, rotten kids didn't get the trash. I'll get it. But whatever. I love my son. I love my daughters. You know, like, but at least I, I think like, I, instead of, you know, it, it, it's hard, you know, it's, it's, it's a conscious thought to go and change your thinking. Like, Oh, I gotta get the trash instead. Like, oh my God, thank God I'm healthy enough to do this chore right now. Cause that trash yeah. stinks, you know.
1: Yeah. That's absolutely that that's that part. It's 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 I guess part of it is is empathy for others' experience. But when something is pulled from you, something in that in, in that really foundational life experience and it goes away you really can't respect how powerful that is just to be able to have that function in your life and then take it to the next level. Like you talked about having your back injury, when that's pulled from you, when, you're, when your ability to be in the ocean and surf is pulled from you, it just completely reinforces how central it is. I had this uh, this conversation with a friend, I don't know, it was maybe like six months ago. And he was just saying, oh, you know, like, he was starting to struggle with some things. He said, if I can't stand up on, on a board, like I'll just stop. And I'm like, are you kidding? No way. Uh, if I have to go out on some stupid little buoy thing just to be in the ocean, I'll do it. Because to me, that's the part of it. It's like evolve what you have to evolve, but prepare and continue to be present to be able to surf at your highest level but allow it to adapt and allow it to evolve to stay connected to the parts that are the most important, which is just being in that ocean. And it's it's that part. You're absolutely right. Like we get so self-centered sometimes in, in our experience of just like being frustrated by this or that, but then you stop and you realize you're right. Just to be able to go take the trash out as basic as that is, it's such a reinforcement for being able to do these things in our life, and it's all up and down the scale. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think
0: it's almost part of the fight too. Like, like, um, I've always been a fun conversationalist. You know, as as the happy go lucky surfer in my youth, uh, you could have a conversation. I don't think I had as much battle in me. But as you grow older and you learn more, and you've been through ups and downs with business relationships, or personal relationships, or friendships, or politics, or you know all the mechanics of dealing in society, um, you tend to you know I, I don't want to say you get soured, but you you get enlightened to some of the dark forces at work in the world, and and. Um, you know, while in some ways,, um, you know, scheduling and and discipline is important, it's also important to have that passion that so that passion turns into fight. not not in a bad way, but like, I'm gonna go surfing, I'm so tired, I'm caught inside. Are you gonna get dragged in and go in and say, that's it? I only caught two waves. Are you gonna freaking fight your way back to the channel? get back out there and maybe get the best ride you had the whole session either which way it's when we give up is when you truly give way to that three-letter word called getting old and Mm -hmm. and and I think that um I've always been uh, a fighter you know not in the sense of street fighting or anything like that I'm I'm more of a peaceful guy I, I I actually used to when I was a really small kid, like before the age of 11, I remember I used to get in fights in New York city all the time. It was just what we did, you know, fortunately it didn't go too far. And it was always kind of friendly. Let's, you know, here, you can have my freaking apple for lunch. You know, sorry, we fought, you know, like we're kids, but, um, growing up you kind of start to notate the, the intensity of people out there. And, and, and like my goal with free surf and my, my Like people is like, well, dude, you're, 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 you're like, you're, you're in a kid's world. And, and you're in this fake reality, because you're acting like a kid. And I'm like, No, that's by choice. Um, I think the joy and the optimism that children feel is something that's super valuable to our society. And I think that we can carry that through later life. And I think we do. And I, and I experienced it myself and my friends around me that I see. And And by perpetuating that simple act of surfing, I'm not, you know, we have a TV show called board stories. We tell stories, but we're not, we're not like breaking it down and saying, this is how you have to live, or this is who you need to vote for or whatever. Like, Hey, people are people, but all's it all's my whole work. uh, Yeah. I, I, I pay off my mortgages. I I love to eat food. So working is important. Um, financially, no, I I could have lived on the mainland and probably made a lot more money or, 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 or taken other jobs and made a lot more money than I make doing what I do. I make a comfortable living, but I'm by no means day trader rich or anything like that. So when I assess what I'm doing, I've had opportunities to make more money and do something else. And I'm like, I really like what I'm doing and I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing. And I believe that the sheer reminder that there is a beautiful environment out there and that we can all enjoy it um whether it's crowded or not is is just a reflection of this is earth's playground and i I want to this is a total like um part of the reason i do what i do is because i recognize i see and i hope i help create that international language of the surf stoke you know and it's usually a big smile or a high five or a chi or whatever and i don't care if they're japanese chinese afghanistan russian polish aussie or whatever we're all stoked you could have six of those different nationalities in the shoulder and some Guy is getting a, a, you know, not the best guy in the lineup, whatever, but he somehow managed his way into the barrel and he's got this huge smile on his face. His smile and our stoke is the language of brothers and sisters everywhere. And, yeah. and, and I, I, I can't believe that the world history has gotten so far away. Like when you think about the dark corners of world history, it's gotten so far away from that. Like the human race, whether it's greed or power or whatever, People lose sight of that so much. But in surfing all the time, I see that on a daily basis. You know, people that don't like each other are still like smiling when they get sprayed or whatever, you know, it's playful. And, and we as adults uh, in surfing, you know, it, it's a playground. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a melting pot of stoke. And that's what I hope people enjoy my media for
1: that um, I think there's less opportunity in a lot of people's lives for that general con that that genuine connection that you're describing. And that's what surfing does allow when, when you're back there, all of that stuff is stripped away. There aren't screens, there isn't technology. It's you, the ocean, the others that are around you and you get this genuine connection. And it's part of what, you know, Free Surf Magazine does, and it's part of why I do the Surf Strong show is to have conversations with people in this world. Um, We get less opportunity to have extended conversations with people to feel that connection. And any place you can in your life to increase that opportunity for yourself or to create something and be creative and to share it with the world that ups that connection is huge I, there's just less opportunities for each of us in the world and so you know let's let, i want to talk a little bit specific about what free surf magazine does it was launched in 2002 and and it's to this to this point right now is the only full color glossy monthly surf magazine in north america talk a little bit about how that's evolved when it launched in 2002 what the landscape was like in that in that world of of having other magazines around, having other media around, and what it's evolved and changed into to where you are now. Well, in 2002, if I recall, um, I had plans to start the
0: magazine. I think I made my plans after 9-11. When was 9-11 again? Um, Was 2001 or 2000?
1: 2000.
0: Yeah, so everybody thought I was crazy when I started free surf because the country was hurting the world was hurting the economy, the stock market, whatever. And, but I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, I, I've always loved to write. I, I, as a kid, I remember in, in English class, we'd write stories and I write, I remember writing these weird alien stories and, and horror stories and, and little tiny stupid stories. Right. And even poetry, my mom was a writer and stuff. And, and um, I enjoyed writing and as I was a pro surfer, um, uh, I was, I did some writing, so my writing career is, I, I, I have to thank the alcoholic content of Australian beer for my writing career. True story, I was like 18 or 19 years old in Australia running around with Richard Marsh and Aki and the boys and Ashley G and some other guys in Cronulla and stuff. And we all decided to go to this surf contest in Phillip Island with the peak. Uh, It was a free trip because we're going to drive down there and I could just jump in with the boys. I didn't ride for peak wetsuits, but Dougal Walker who worked for Billabong, Dougal was a former pro surfer and he also worked for Billabong, but he was like the main, one of the main guys at peak. So Dougal was the camp counselor who drove us all down to wherever Phillip Island was, way past Bell's beach, somewhere down in the South, some shark infested, freezing cold water with, anyway, it's some good waves around there uh, uh, in Phillip Island. But, um, you know, we got there and of course, so this should have said everything. The, 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 the the pre-meeting for the contest was at a bar and, (laughs) and you know, I, I don't drink, I don't, you know, I'm not a good drinker. If I drink, it's definitely not before a surf contest. And I, I, I'm not a crazy drinker, but I, I didn't really pay too much attention to the bar scene or anything like that. Plus it was more like a pirate's bar. I swear to God, it was like a scene out of Crocodile Dundee with surfboards hanging on the wall or something like that. From what I remember, like this was a, a Phillip Island surf spot but it was a bar, a local bar, and they had the – maybe it was a town hall. I don't even know. But it was like – I just remember it was like like Captain Ahab and the old Aussies that were there. Like did these guys even surf? And, and it was just classic. But we had the surf contest. I think I made it to the third round. I didn't win any money or anything. But um, it was a good experience. And then I remember we were all – there was a big after party and I didn't drink that much. I went home and and, yeah, we're going to leave early in the morning. And I remember getting in the car early in the morning with Dougal Walker and the rest of the guys. I think it was, um, might even been like um, Matt Branson and, and, and um, uh, I I know Richard Marsh was there. Um, A couple other guys. Anyway, Mitch Thorson too was another one. But the, the thing was, is he's, so Dougal uh, somehow I got, I got lucky Pierre. I got, I got the front seat this time, you know, it's going to be an eight hour drive back to Sydney or whatever. So uh, Dougal gets in the car and he's like, barely like moving. And he's like, oh my God, I'm like, oh shoot. He goes, yeah. And I've got a story deadline for tracks magazine. I don't know how I'm going to do that. And it just so happened I was sitting there. He was talking to me about that. He didn't know I was a writer. I didn't know i was a writer i just said oh i took two years of journalism in high school i i could try to help and he goes oh mate would you like you know and i'm like yeah no problem we just need to stop at a shop so i can get some writing paper so you know 80 cents later i'm writing the story on Phillip island surf contest talking about the Krusty crab bar and and the shark sightings and, and the you know whatever I don't remember the story. I wish I had it. I, I don't uh-huh, know. What yeah. <laughs> it was, it was nice. When I got a, I got a $42 check from tracks magazine. That was my first ever published story. And then from there I went home and I was, I started writing for some local magazines and then um, I wrote for tracks a bunch. Actually, I wrote stuff on sunset, this and that next thing, you know, bill sharp, who was a double XXL guy for a long time. He was, The associate editor of surfing magazine so he contacts me next thing you know i am their hawaii guy for a couple seasons so that's how i started and then i remember um so i i didn't really know that i wanted to run my own business i was actually scared of it but i remember i was playing cards and i was trying to convince um alibaba from beach happy remember that guy there's this guy, there's, was a beach happy magazine back in the day. And it was a big, it was, it was newsprint. It was like tracks magazine and it was fat. And the guy was rolling. Like now that I know what I know, that guy was making bank because those magazines were cheap to produce. And he had tons of advertising. And I remember I hit him up. I'm going, dude, why don't I just like, can I just get like a retainer? Give me 500 bucks a month and I'll keep, you know, he's like, no, I need you to do this story. Come on. We're going to pay you a hundred bit. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, write, write me a regular monthly check or I'm going to start my own magazine. That's kind of how I set it off the cuff. <laughs> and then sure enough, I didn't intend to write my own magazine. I just, I was in the Billabong Pro um, semifinals or something like that. And these other kids that were in college that started a magazine called H3O, they wanted me to be, a. Uh, actually, there was another guy before that with Groundswell Magazine. And uh, there is there is a there, there was some shuffling about how many magazines were produced and it was dishonest. So I was like, okay, you know, I I, I know that you, you gotta do what you gotta do, but you gotta be honest at the very least to your clients and your audience, you know? And I sold most of the advertising based on what I was told. It wasn't accurate. So I was like, I'm not gonna work with this project anymore. And then these other guys came on with H3O and I started doing that. I was just a happy-go-lucky pro surfer who loved to to write. I wasn't making much money at all, like six, seven hundred bucks a month. My rent was 160 bucks a month. And you know, getting out of high school, like I I didn't think I had my mom live down the street. So if I got super hungry, which I sometimes did, I'd go to her house and eat. I I was a broke ass, poor surfer who loved to write. And uh, fortunately I was decent at surfing. Um, but after doing H3O, I really like my career. Kind of started taking off. I was getting cover shots on a professional side. I became the Billabong. Um, no, first, yeah, it was Bob Hurley was a licensee for Billabong in America. I was the first ever team rider on Billabong through Gordon Merchant and Buddy McRae in Hawaii. Then Bob took over the license, and and so I was a Billabong team rider under Bob Hurley. And he sent me around the world a little bit to travel here and there. It was like super fun. Like I didn't make jack for money. I think I started off at 250 a month or something like that, 500 at the most. But I was stoked to be a pro surfer. Like I said, my rent was only 150 bucks a month or something like that. And, and it was happening. So I did some writing on the side. And I remember after a couple of years, so – it was daunting. I, I I was really good. I was the editor and the and the publisher of free of H3O, but I was like, ah, it's too expensive. I, I I gotta just manage my own life. And so what I did have during that time was I had a partnership with um rest in peace, Larry Haynes, and another gentleman named Chris Russ. And we all bought together a beta deck and a media one hundred editing software, which back then was coming just out of the gates. It was like crazy. Like we had $10,000 worth of hard drives. Actually there's $16,000. They're each like $8,000 a piece for these hard drives that looked like bread books. They carried 16 gigs each, like a total of 32 gigs to do a TV show back in 1999 or whatever it was. Hawaii deserves a magazine that is authentic and ethical and and so i i know 911 had just happened or whatever and i was just like i don't care i'm you, you know what it was is i ran into leilani Pataccia, who was i think she was doing some some assistant work for me i can't remember how we got together but um, it, fred Pataccia was a co-host on my tv show and so i knew his little sister and she goes hey mike i just graduated from um with an art degree and you can do all the magazine stuff online with a program called quark now and i'm like huh she goes yeah you can do it all online you don't have to do the the boards anymore and i'm like gosh maybe we should do a magazine and so i did i started board stories magazine in 1999 or 2000 or whatever it was it was before free surf and that's how i started i went i just said hawaii deserves and everyone thought i was crazy and yeah my first issue was only like 60 pages it was newsprint but it paid for itself and and i actually made some money oh, i made a few thousand dollars and i got to pay everybody that worked on it and so let's do this again so we were quarterly by the third issue i was 120 pages i had you know I, i'm not like i'm saying I'm not like printing's expensive and back then the newsprint you know we only did newsprint one issue A- after seeing what newsprint did to the photos I, pr- I i picked i was like i'm never doing that again i want to be glossier so my press bill was very close to my receipts and and paying each other but eventually once i got to like over 120 pages i was like damn i made 5 grand or i made 10 grand yeah. i never did that in my life right. you know i never made that much money in my life and I was, it was quarterly so i couldn't you know i would strap lay out i can't live on that it's still only $2500 a month or whatever so i went bi-monthly the next year and then i went monthly the year after that um paper costs have gone up 50 60% since that since then shipping costs have gone up everyone's salary's gone up like i don't do much better than i did when i started and i know publishers on the mainland made way more money and did it and i got a job offer from for surfing magazine um, you know, Bobbing Nona was, 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 was a, was a, was a powerhouse back then. You know, he, and I think, um, Peter Townen was the associate publisher or whatever that dynamic was there. And they said, Mike, move to the mainland. We want you to sell advertising. Cause they saw what I was doing. I was selling 50 pages of my own. And, and I was like, you know, the job offer was lucrative, you know, it was close to a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, Damn, I can't even imagine what I would do to make that in a year. But I was like, I I couldn't leave, you know, being able to walk to Velzyland and, and and ride my bike to sunset and and my kids were growing up in Hawaii. And I was like, no, I really appreciate that. i I'm always thankful to Bob every time I see him. Uh, but I declined and and I have no regrets.
1: Yeah, it's the it's the lifestyle, it's the value of that. You know, income, of course, is necessary for the responsibilities we have, but It's I have such a similar experience, like living on the Central Coast here. I certainly what I do in training, I could be living in a a much more urban area and my income potential is much higher. But looking back and reflecting like our daughter's 15 now and being able to grow up here and be able to spend all that time with her because we're self-employed. The trade-off is that, you know, you're not making the amount of income to have these different things, but I would never, I would never trade it for the world because those experiences, that time together and just the quality of life that like same thing, like riding my bike down to go surfing. It's just, it's irreplaceable. You know, the income is only, only available for the choices you can make. It gives you choices. That's it.
0: Like, let's say you're one of the respected locals at a spot like Swami's or something where it's not easy to get waves. And and it's like, yeah, you can go move to Orange County for a higher paying job and maybe even a better playground for the kids or whatever. But you're like, no, my playground's at the beach and I have earned through my lifetime a spot at Sunset Beach with my friends. You know, I, I have relationships with people who surf I, I don't see a lot of people in my work day that I'm you know my, my associates and my clients and, but when I go surfing there's part of my family you know oh there's slow-mo there's Takahashi and there's Randy Rarick and, and there's Poncho well Poncho doesn't live on Oahu anymore but like there's my people and that's my community and I was like I can't leave my community so yeah, yeah. anyway um
1: anything else sir yeah, no, I was just going to say, I want to respect your time. You've, you've given me plenty, and um, I really appreciate that. So um, I'll just do a little closing here. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for being part of the Surf Strong Show. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk about, you know, the evolution of Free Surf Magazine and and your experience and, and the North Shore, and, and just thanks for being on the show.
0: Oh, I'm very stoked. Thank you for having me. I know. First and foremost, I love to tell stories. Um, I love to share the stoke. And then I saw that it was necessary for me to get more involved and take the responsibility to make this media. Um, how, how has it lasted this long? I am a fighter. It, it is a really challenging and hard business to run a magazine these days. Uh, thankfully, I have so a small good crew. And um, you know, would it help me if I had five thousand more subscribers? Heck yeah! So if you can. Rock that subscription QR code on your on your fan base. That never hurts. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us on the Surf Strong Show. To find out more about the Surf Strong Fit programs and if they're a good fit for you, go to surfstrongfit.com/programs. You can also direct message me on either Facebook or Instagram, where I'm at Surf I'm your host, Greg Finch. I'd like to remind you to like, comment, subscribe to this and all of our episodes of the Surf Strong Show wherever you get your podcasts. For all show notes and links that we talk about in the episodes, videos of the podcast, you can go to surfstrongfit.com podcast for this and all the past episodes. Thanks for joining us. It really means a lot.